You have just downloaded the Barbecue Central show, which airs live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central show is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology. They can be found at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by the CHOPS Power Injector System, the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year at the NBBQA. Find them at barbecuekansascity.com. And by Butcher Barbecue. From injections to rubs to sauces, always trust your butcher at butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for everything and anything that has to do with barbecue. Their website is bigpapasmokers.com and by Cook Shack Pellet and Electric Grills visit them at pelletcooker.com or cookshack.com or call them 800-423-0698 and by Cookin' Pellets you can buy Cookin' Pellets at cookinpellets.com you can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet grills on the market today. You can visit them at GreenMountainGrills.com. This is Maddie Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Thanks for joining in. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. You want to jump in tonight? More than happy to have you. It's a phone call, 216-220-0966. It is also an email address, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Anything else you want to find out about the show this evening can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening. In case you didn't get the newsletter, which you can sign up for at the main website as well, I have increased the number of subscribers available to that. So where it was 1,000 and we were capping there, I decided, why let anybody out? Let's just go ahead and get right into it. Everybody can join in. So if you've you know wondered, uh, how can I possibly get it uh, or what have you, then... Yeah, you can go to the main website and uh, get the good old newsletter. Hold on. I'm trying to find something here. How do I share my... here? So I've, I'm understanding that there may or may not be some feed issues on Outdoor Cooking Channel tonight. 
if you want to try an alternative video feed, uh, you can go to my website. And then up at the top, there should be a uh, live button. And there is a YouTube live page. I don't know if that would be any better. Uh, I don't know if there are issues with the feed tonight or not, but I've been seeing some type of banter back and forth in the chat room while I was uh, prepping for the show tonight. So uh, there is that option. Or if you just want to get rid of the video altogether, who blames you? Nobody for crying out loud. Go to my website, thebbqcentralshow.com, and then just click on that listen li- that big red listen live link right there at the top of the page. And you can take the show old school as it was meant to be. Remember, me on video was never supposed to be part of the equation. And we have grown into this over the span of time. But you can get it old school like that as well if you choose. So here's what's happening. At 914, in his third Tuesday of the month regular spot, we're going to be joined by multiple-time author, TV show host, cooking class instructor, and a regular contributor to this show, Stephen Reichlin, will be joining us. We're going to be talking uh, a little bit about Chile. We're going to be talking mostly about his wrapping of the shoot Project Smoke 2, which is the second season. We will also touch on something else, which I'll get into here in a minute. So stay tuned for that. Then at 935... Apopka, Florida had the lights shining down on it in regards to competitions this past weekend. And from, you know, all of the major sanctioning bodies, KCBS, St. Louis Barbecue Society, all the Texas stuff, they were one of the only ones, that being FBA, that actually had a competition this past weekend. It was a very large competition. 69 professional teams showed up. And we have the winner to recap a big weekend in Florida who also happens to be a talk show host of Barbecue Fashion himself. He precedes this show, none other than the pitmaster of Whiskey Bent Barbecue team and the host of Whiskey Bent Barbecue in the Pit. Chad Ward will be joining us to recap at 9.35. And then we'll move to the second hour. At 10.14, we continue our progression through the KCBS Team of the Year category winners. Last week... It was Tim Shear from Shake and Bake, the world's tallest man of barbecue. Then the week before that, we had Sterling Ball uh, doing the uh, pork category. Tim was ribs, by the way. Tonight, we're doing chicken. It's everybody's either favorite or least favorite category, depending on how you do with it or how you do to it or how you're currently suffering with whatever. Brad Leiniger from Getting Basted will be joining me, and we're going to do exactly like we did with Tim to start with. We're going to go ahead and break down all the chicken stuff from the pre to the cook to the post, and then we're going to get into some other topics as time allows, but we want to make sure that we're spending uh, all of the time that we can on the chicken stuff, and then we'll merge in from there. So Brad has the second hour wrapped up for himself if we have time After the fact, we can certainly fit you in where we can get you in, uh, that being the phone, 216-220-0966, or that being the email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. All right, so we know the show is live right now. Go ahead and make a Facebook post. Let everybody know that the show is on, that you are watching it, that you are listening to it. Of course, the main website here where you can link to the video, you can also go to the audio, thebbqcentralshow.com. Longtime syndication video partner of this show, OutdoorCookingChannel.com uh, slash watch dash now. 
is the place you want to go for all of the video stuff. And if you have a uh, internet protocol television situation, you can go like on a Roku, go to the app store, see what they got there. If they have outdoor cooking channel there on your app store in your uh, IP television platform, download it. And you can watch this show as well as many other pre-recorded shows live as they happen. And you can also get all of the archives at Outdoor Cooking Channel as well after the show airs live from 9 to 11. I don't know if anybody saw this, but I wanted to mention it. I don't know how many people believe that everybody has to wait in line at Franklin's Barbecue in Austin. I think the only person to date that has been verified that has been able to skip the line is indeed the president of the United States of America's Barack Obama. And I believe that is under protest as well. But by and large, I believe there is no line skipping or advancing or non-waiting. You can't even hire people to wait in line so you don't have to wait in line at Franklin's Barbecue in Austin, Texas anymore. Why, just ask our friend Kanye West was forced to wait in line at Franklin Barbecue. This coming from Stephen C. Webster from Austin.com. Everyone loves Franklin's Barbecue, even President Barack Obama, the only person in the known universe who has been allowed to skip the line that always forms at Franklin's every single day. In fact, Franklin Barbecue is so famous that it's becoming almost as well-known for its long wait as those succulent meats, according to the New York Times, which featured Franklin Barbecue this week in a nice long read and exclusive video. Mr. West attempted to become the second person ever to cut at Franklin's Barbecue, but was rebuked by the ever-polite staff. Kanye West wanted to cut the line, and we didn't let him, Benjamin Jacobs said, the restaurant general manager, and that's what he told the Times. Everybody is equal. So if you think you are above the law, and by law I mean line, and by line I mean the line at Franklin's Barbecue. I mean, if Kanye West isn't getting in early, I mean, who is? You literally have to be the president of the United States in order to get a pass on the line. Like, how long is the line? I got to do some more research. In fact, that might be one of my uh, news stories that I do when I start releasing what is termed, and if you have a better name, the name is still a work in progress, the Barbecue Roundup. Of course, I'm doing the weekly Barbecue Roundup that I've been doing on this show for the last handful of months, which has just been competition reviews, but I'm thinking of using the name the Barbecue Roundup and making it a 40 to 45 minutes or less show that's distributed every Thursday at noon Eastern. It'll be on uh, my podcast feed here for this show, for the live show, but it will be a supplement to the live show on Tuesday. So we will have uh, news in the industry that I you know, never get to here on this show. I'll be able to call out to reporters or call out to uh, the folks that had things happen to them and get some pre-recorded interview stuff going on. And then I will perhaps do some sauce interview uh, reviews, uh, l- answer listener emails, And we can also do a a spotlight segment where we might go a little bit more in depth with some pitmasters or some restaurant owners or accessory makers, whatever. 
But looking forward to uh, actually getting that. I'm going to try and get the first one out. If it's not this week, it will be next Thursday. So look for the Barbecue Roundup, which will be a supplement to this show. Kind of like Whiskey Cast. I said I was inspired by my first segment guest last week, Mark Gillespie from Whiskey Cast. It's going to be a similar style show just covering the barbecue and grilling industry. I'll tell you what, the National Barbecue Association voted Chops Power Injector the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year, and perhaps it's on its way to repeat as well. Each of their patent-pending Chops Power Injector system features not one, not two, but four needles evenly spaced at the perfect distance for even injecting. It also comes with three plug screws so you can use fewer needles in case you're trying to work around those bones. It's called versatility, folks. The number one seller is the half-gallon Chops Power Injector System designed for competition or to pump off the Backyard Warrior. So easy to use, right? Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector, 100 bucks plus shipping anywhere. The number one second seller, the number one second seller, the next most popular, the one-gallon Chops Power Injector System. Double the amount of the half gallon. Some use it in competitions like when you're cooking MBN whole hog because you got that big meat. Or 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 120 bucks plus shipping anywhere. The newest one is the Chops Full Power Injector System. It's electric. It's the commercial and competition Big Daddy. It's not a holding tank, but a three-and-a-half-foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. That's right, from a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, and he said time and time again that with the metal needle adapters, uh, his briskets are back and better than ever. It's a number of top pitmasters using it in the world today to make their barbecue better than the rest. Here's the thing. We live in a foodie world that now requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and how you do it fast, and it's not just for meat. How about alcohol-infused watermelon? Every injector hand made in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories. If you want them, they got them. They have a great way to make your CHOPS power injector system bulletproof. Metal needle adapters. Here's what you have to do. BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, BarbecueKansasCity.com. And order yours today. Once you use it, once you cross the threshold and use it the first time, you're going to wonder, like, Hey, man, why didn't I get this like six months ago or a year ago when Rempy started talking about it? I can't answer that question for you, but I know you're going to say once you get it. So easy. BarbecueKansasCity.com. Steven Reichlin coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet grills out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of meat, they got one for you. Something medium size because you're a small family or you don't eat a lot, they got you covered. How about something to take on those tailgates? They got you covered there too. Also, they can provide wood pellets to fire all or any of those cookers. 
If you would just go to GreenMountainGrills.com, you could love your Green Mountain Grill, too. I love mine. Hit the website. You're going to be happy that you did. All right, my first guest is seen here on the third Tuesday of each month here on this show, 2015 Barbecue Hall of Famer, a TV show host, a barbecue cooking class instructor, a multiple-time author and a friend of this show. So let's go ahead and race over to the hotline. And welcome back, Stephen Reichland, to the show. Stephen, how are you, buddy? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Doing absolutely fabulous, Stephen. Always appreciate the time here you give to the show each and every month. And, uh, you know, a couple different places that we can start at tonight. And, you know, the first place I wanted to start, I got uh, I get the alerts from your blog each and every week. And, uh, of course, I'm kind of trolling through there on my own at various points as well. And a subject that came today, but I was actually reading about it like two or three days ago, is chili. And and it's probably just me, but chili is like uh, turkey for me. It always sounds great. I never cook it. I mean, I probably cook turkey more than I ever cook chili because at least there's a holiday once a month reminding me that I should be cooking it more than I should. Uh, but chili kind of falls in that category for me as well. So uh, I guess... Like, what's your experience with chili? Is that something that you grew up with and you have refined and crafted over time, or is it something that you've kind of gotten into a little bit later? Totally did not grow up on chili. Uh, actually, I had a pretty deprived life growing up. I was a TV dinner kid. I think part of my interest in, uh, in food is a, was a reaction to that, sort of a self-defense. But, uh, you know, I travel around the country. I'm on tour almost every year, either for a new book or for research. And when I travel, I try and experience local specialties. So I think my first chili eye-opener was in Cincinnati, where they have a very bizarre version of chili. It actually goes over spaghetti. Uh, but I became intrigued by it. And then I, uh, I went to a chili festival in, uh, in New Mexico and chili parlor in New York. And uh, I guess for me, what I love about chili is it's kind of some of the last regional American food with regional American styles. You know, I think about the homogenation of the American diet, even of American barbecue. And it's very comforting, comforting for me to know that chili remains deeply regional. Now, the other thing is I discovered you could cook it in a smoker, which would add about 8,000 times more flavor than conventional chili. Uh, and the fact that so much of the country is locked in uh, in this bitter cold right now, and what better way to warm up than with a pot of chili? In regards to the to the regional aspect that you just brought up, Stephen, is chili like pasta sauce in, in many respects? And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, it, it's what you grew up with. So when you have something that might be different, it tends to skew in that. Eh, that doesn't really taste like mine or what my mom used to make or how I make it uh, kind of a category. And perhaps not having had an extensive chili background, maybe you could actually benefit that could benefit you if you start to eat a little bit more. You don't have those biases. Yeah, I certainly don't have those biases. I don't have uh, an ax to grind or a particular region to defend. You know, I think chili is a little bit like barbecue and that is that, uh, people who are really into this world, there's a facade that they put up of uh, purity and strict regionalism and partisanism. But I think beyond that, there's, you know, great curiosity as to how to do it better. 
I remember in my uh, in my book Man Made Meals, I interviewed a uh, one of the Chile Chile Grand Champion. It was just astonishing the lengths to which he went to practice his craft, including doing uh, taking copious notes with every festival, every batch of chili he made to kind of see what worked, what didn't, regional variations, you know, the onions in one city that has a competition are different, different than the onions in another city. Um, so, so I think that there's a, just like in barbecue, you know, once you get behind the partisanship, people just really want to master the craft. In regards to the regions that you had mentioned, and you know, I'm sure many would argue, as you kind of alluded to, that Cincinnati chili. Now, look, I live in Ohio. Uh, I don't get down to Cincinnati much, but you're referring to, of course, the Skyline chili. And sure. uh, that has since franchised and it's made its way up to, your, uh, to a, a few locations here in Cleveland. And to me, the Cincinnati chili, it, I think in a lot of normal chilies, you can get away with, eh, that was okay. Or I could eat that, or it's like, oh, this is great, and some probably, oh, I hate that. But there's there's a lot of variation. It seems to be, in my experience, that with the skyline chili, you love it, or you hate it, and there is very little in between because of like that cinnamon that's in there and and the chocolate. And as you had mentioned, uh, I'm not too big of a three way guy, which is the the spaghetti and the sauce and the cheese. I like the cheese conies with that sauce on the hot dog, and I can probably eat about 10 of those in one sitting. Uh, but it, it is a little bit unique, and uh, are you a fan of, of the Skyline Chili, Steve? I love Skyline yeah. Chili. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I go there, in fact, I um, I, I don't I forget which book, but I sort of deconstructed it and reconstructed it and uh, used it as a topping for a hot dog, which I grill, of course, because, you know, I'm not going to boil a hot dog, but... Uh, I think it's great. You know, uh, I, I, like I said, I'm always on book tour, you know, and uh, t- typically I'll do 25 or 30 cities. And I look for the one dish I can get in that city and not anywhere else. That's, that's what, what's sort of driving my, uh, my eating out. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show as he does every third Tuesday of the month, barbecuebible.com, his blog website, ProjectSmoke.org, which we'll get to here in a minute as well, if you want to uh, check out both websites while you're listening here tonight. Uh, Stephen, do you have a chili recipe that you have been working on? Uh, I know you said you like to put it in the smoker to add levels of flavor that you're not going to normally get. but uh, or, or maybe the better question is, do you, you know, what's a good working recipe for people to try if they really haven't gotten the foray into the chili word yet? Well, there are two on my website uh, this week on the blog, and one is a more conventional uh, Red chili, it has beer in it, it has chocolate in it. Uh, you make it with pork and beef. Uh, and I would consider that that is just sort of a good cornerstone, all-purpose, big-flavored chili. Then there's also a green chili that we make at Barbecue University because very often Barbecue University overlaps with the arrival of hatch chilies from New Mexico. So we get uh, our friends at Melissa's always send in a couple cartons. We roast them off. Uh, <clears throat> in this really neat cylindrical fire uh, uh, fire roasted, it, it's a chili roaster attachment that goes on uh, on one of our uh, wood burning grills, and um, make a green chili. My assistant Nancy Lowski, who many of you will know from my website, that's her recipe. It's absolutely fabulous. And again, that one we finish up on the smoker too. Do you find that because you know what I found that ground meat? Uh, does have a propensity to pick up smoke a little bit more easily than, you know, the, the bigger whole cuts of meat. 
uh, when I do meatloaf in the smoker, uh, that really will take on smoke quite a bit. And you can get a tremendous smoke ring if you ever smoke meatloaf on a smoker, if you're into that kind of a thing. But sure. uh, do, do you need to be uh, a little bit more cognizant of uh, smoke being picked up easier in the chili than you would normal stuff or no? You know, I think chili is very uh, forgiving. I think chili cooked on a stovetop is great. So the minute you put it in a smoker, you are so far ahead of the game, whatever smoke flavor it picks up. All right, Stephen. Last month, we talked about salmon eggs. And you were very pro salmon eggs. And I have to admit, you you really jazzed me up. And I was passing through a Whole Foods arena in uh, Beachwood, Ohio, which is an eastern suburb here. And I was like, salmon eggs, I got to go in. So I raced into the store. I text messaged you. I was like, this is the right stuff. I want to make sure I'm getting the right stuff. And I got the salmon roe eggs. And I tried them. And? It it must be an acquired taste. And I want to sit here and tell you that they were tremendous, perhaps life-changing. And mostly, I guess I don't want to look like as, you know, someone that isn't cultured enough to understand what was exploding in my mouth. But I had two pretty decent-sized spoonfuls, and it was a bit of a struggle. There was a lot of, like, I told my daughter, I was like, it, it's like I have a, a bluegill in my hand, and I just was, like, licking the skin and then threw some, like, bitter salt in my <laughs> mouth like a juicy. So it was definitely like that briny pop that you were talking about, but there was a there was a fish component that seemed a, a bit disjointed to me, and uh, I, don't, I well, just found it to be the, a little bad, uh, uh, to be honest. First, first of all, okay, <laughs> let's call it by a name that lends it some dignity, okay? Let's call it caviar. Caviar, yes. Uh, traditional caviar, which, by the way, comes from the Russian words cake of strength. Uh, so it was believed to be a very, uh, um, well, not only an aphrodisiac, but a very nourishing, strength-giving uh, food. Traditional caviar comes from the sturgeon. Salmon roe, you're right in calling it roe. I call it caviar because real sturgeon caviar at this point is so absurdly expensive, you know, $300 a mouthful, I mean a spoonful. Uh, it would make uh, cocaine seem like a bargain. But in any case, um, you know, I love it, but I love fish. I like salty, briny, that whole arena of flavors. Uh, it's a very sensual experience. I hope you experience this when you kind of bite into it. It sort of, it, it crunches, but yes. then it gets gooey. And it, um, it's, uh, it's a very sensual experience. Uh, I'm going to trust that you got a good one. It is fishy, but it should be fishy in a good way like the seashore, not fishy in a bad way like a fish store. Yeah, you know no, uh, it, it wasn't uh, It wasn't like, oh, bad fish smell okay. or it's so here's what we're, here's what, And I didn't, you asked me how I should, you should serve it. And I think I may have said buttered toast, brioche toast points or uh, with vodka, but it's also extremely delectable, licked off the belly of uh, one's companion. Uh, I don't know if you're married or you have a girlfriend or oh, anything. or whether she I would, have uh, all of that, sure. Okay, <laughs> and I probably should have told you that because that might have helped the uh, appreciation level. Anyway, uh, you know what? Let's do Next time I'm in Cleveland or you're down in Miami, let's eat some together. Uh, by the way, I've taken to smoking my caviar with a smoking gun as a whole different dimension. All right. Well, I, I wanted to make sure that I uh, had the experience the next time that we were going to be on the air together. So that's where uh, uh, 
salmon caviar sits at the moment to be continued. Okay. Uh, I promise. I promise you, you'll like it better. I think it sounds a little bit like for me with my first oyster. Uh, I ate it. I wasn't qu- quite sure how I felt about it, and you know, today nothing would give me more pleasure than sitting down and eating a hundred. Absolutely, uh, Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show. The other thing I want to talk to you tonight. Uh, last month, you were on your way to get Project Smoke shot and in the can. Uh, now uh, you're here a month later, and that whole thing has taken place. So, talk to me about the shoot. You know, from a from a high level, was it everything that you'd hoped for? Were there hurdles to overcome? What was the experience like this time around versus uh, season one shoot? All of the above, and then some. High points finding the crew. I mean, we me, seeing the crew again. We have an incredible crew, and I tell you honestly. Uh, uh, Greg, we would work, I mean, there were days when we worked 14 hours, 16 hours, we would start, it would be in the forties. It would go up to the 80, 80 degree at noon and then down to the forties at night. One guy fell, got seven stitches and was back at his camera, uh, an hour later. I mean, this is the dedication of the crew. So that part was just unbelievably satisfying and gratifying. Uh, in terms of the backdrop, I told my producer I want two things, right? I want palm trees and I want to be in California. So he found a location in uh, Palm Springs, California. I had palm trees. I had, I had a lake, palm trees behind it, green grass behind that, uh, a mountain behind that, and then on top of the mountain, snow. It, it is the single most beautiful place I've ever shot. Uh, we had some incredible new smokers that were really fun to use. Uh, uh, we have this giant monster Yoder smoker that looks like a, uh, looks like a train locomotive. We brought in Komodo Kamado smokers from Indonesia, which are these mosaic works of art. Uh, we had, uh, pellets, uh, Memphis pellet smoker. We had, uh, Bradley's we're doing hot smoking, cold smoking, rotisserie smoking, uh, smoke braising. Uh, we smoked everything from cocktails to uh, I, did, I, I did this uh, called Buccaneer Chicken, where you smoke it not over wood but over sugar cane. Uh, we smoked mozzarella with hay. It was it was fantastic, and I mean it was just it's the high point of my year. Even though I never work harder and I never do anything more difficult in the whole year than those two weeks of the shoot. High point of the year. In terms of the crew, Stephen, is this like the same cast of characters that you shoot with, you know, all the way back from the PBS days and you roll forward? Or is it like a new group of guys every time out? How does the the crew get together? Well, pretty much the camera crew and the technical crew, we've been working together for uh, seven or eight years now. Certainly they were, I'd say three quarters of the crew was with me all throughout uh, Primal Grill. Uh, my producer, Matt Cohen, uh, my director of photography, Richard Dallet, they've been with me. Uh, Rob Boss, who may be a, n- a name familiar to, to this barbecue community, yep. came out as our smoke wrangler uh, this year. And in past years, his job has been to be the assistant smoke wrangler and take photos. This year, our main smoke wrangler uh, uh, got sick right before the shoot. So Rob took over. He did a fantastic job. What does it mean to be a smoke wrangler? It means... Uh, to have every one of those smokers up and ready, fired up, to always have a chimney starter ready when you need it, to have a wood pile ready when you need it. At night, we would build big bonfires right off the set because it was so cold. And, you know, the crew could wear parkas and wool hats and everything, but I have to look like, 
you know, it's summertime. So that was a giant help. Uh, uh, we had some new people. We had a new culinary staff. We had a wonderful stylist name, uh, named Denise uh, uh, Swidley. Fantastic. Uh, just the level of dedication. It was amazing. When you are doing the recipes or you're executing them during taping, are these things that you're just kind of, you know, you always hear about stand-up comedians. Uh, when you see them, they, maybe they already have a, a set of material that they have worked on and they've honed, they've crafted and they love it. And now they're out there doing it. But, you know, on a Tuesday night, they sneak out to open mic night and they work out some material and, you know, try and get the punchline right. Or maybe they're pausing a little bit more to build a little bit more suspense or whatever. You know, is it similar for you? Are you kind of working out recipes during a shoot or because everything has to be jammed in and you're under a time crunch and budget? These have to be well honed, well refined. So when you get there, you can execute and boom, you're out. Well, I would say we start this shoot like we start every shoot with a plan, uh, with recipes formatted, discussed, planned out. And by the seventh or eighth day, we're definitely into improvisation mode. You know, a shipment would be late or you order one cut of meat and another cut of meat comes. Uh, or we had, uh, we had a freak windstorm one day that shut us down for a day. We had a freak rainstorm. I mean, we had every, every weather situation you can imagine. Uh, and so you have to punt, you have to improvise, you know, on the rain day, we took what are the, the recipes where I'm behind a counter and sort of the grand background. And we turn some of those into montages, which are very up close, step by step uh, shots, but they could be done under shelter. You know what I mean? So we could shoot even though it was raining. Um, came up with some cool stuff. Uh, one of the local specialties of Palm Springs is that they grow lemons, and uh, one of the uh, one of our uh, kitchen staff. Uh, uh, lives next to a guy with a ranch that has lemon trees. So he brought in a big lemon branch one day. And it was the day we were doing hay smoked mozzarella. And I remembered in the south of Italy, we had this wonderful dish. You take smoked mozzarella, you slam, sandwich it between lemon leaves and grill it over a hot fire. Absolutely astonishing. So that wasn't on the menu. It just happened, but I'm sure glad it did. This is going to be like the second show or, or a second episode in as many seasons that you have yeah. used hay to smoke flavor something. Are you positioning to be the authority of hay smoking in the country? Well, I wouldn't say the authority, but what I would say is I'm certainly the champion of hay smoking. I don't know and, anybody else using it, by the way. And straw, <laughs> well, just, you know, uh, 50 million Italians. I mean, uh, it's funny. One of the shows we did, it's a really cool show. It's called Smoke in a Hurry. Right. Because if you think about what is the notion of smoking barbecue, right, low and slow. So in this show, we do five dishes that can all be smoked in less than 10 minutes and most of them actually in less than five minutes. And that's one of the beauties of hay smoking or as many readers have corrected me, sometimes I'm using straw instead of hay. I'm a city guy. I didn't know the difference. I do now. But anyway, this is a way to get a tremendous smoke flavor in a very short amount of time. It's also very good. Like if you want to smoke a hamburger, uh, but you want the meat to stay cold and safe. And you don't want it to get rubbery like a hamburger would in a smoker. You just blast it with hay smoke for uh, for five minutes, and then you grill it. Stephen Reichlin uh, writes barbecuebible.com and uh, just got done shooting the second season of Project Smoke. When are we going to be able to see that on television, Steve? Launches on Memorial Day 2016, so just right, right. around the corner. Perfect. Uh, you can check that out, Project Smoke. 
org, And you can check back next month on the third Tuesday of what will be March uh, for another visit with Stephen. Always appreciate the time, Stephen. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you. You got it. Really? There he is. Stephen Reichland, ladies and gentlemen. Project Smoke. All right. Uh, pervs and or otherwise sexual deviance and malfeasance. The audio does exist. He did not say under any circumstances that we were going to be eating caviar off each other's bellies. He didn't say that. He did not say it. He said he should have told me to eat caviar off of either my wife or girlfriend's uh, stomach. That's what he said. And then what he said after a wide pause of space he said uh, he he would like to have caviar with me like comma caviar with me I think that's what he said look let's be honest if Stephen Reichlin wants to eat uh, caviar off my belly who am I to say no he's a hall of famer man you would do it All right, folks, uh, before we get to Chad Ward, let me talk to you about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru. Automatic pit temperature control devices, they are the creators of this technology. Why are you going to buy from anybody else? I don't know. Not familiar with how these little beauties work? Imagine a product that keeps your pit at the temperature you set it at. If you're a busy working pro, if you're constantly on the run with kids, Quite frankly, you don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. The guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, or all of that. You can do whatever it is you need to get done, and that barbecue guru will maintain that pit temperature you set it at. There's currently a number of different models to choose from. CyberQ Wi-Fi for the tech guys, or if you want to use more than one pit to control. You can view internal temperatures of meat. All this good stuff takes place right there on your CyberQ Wi-Fi. The other end of the spectrum is the Party Q at $149 for most models. It'll go from cooker to cooker to cooker. It runs on AA batteries. It is a completely self-contained pit temperature control machine. So here's what you do. You head on over to thebbqguru.com. You check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, I say it each and every week, don't guess. Call them, 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, 800-288-GURU, or you can visit the website first, thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. In two weeks' time, we will have Bob Trudnack from The Barbecue Guru on to talk about some pretty industry-changing stuff, if I may tease. Chadley Von Ward, out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by cookingpellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. 
for all of your pellet-driven cookers. You can visit cookingpellets.com to buy them. You can also buy them from amazon.com. Where the hell is Chad Ward at? Chad, Skype in. Calling you. I mean, what the hell? Again, cookingpellets.com, C-O-O-K-I-N, cookingpellets.com or amazon.com. Remember, uh, Cooking Pellets is the only wood pellet supplier that has their own app. It's free. If you download it, it will alert you to extra special shipping deals that uh, Amazon runs. Because every once in a while, uh, Amazon gets a bug up its ass and will... uh, Blow out the pellets, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Chad Ward, nowhere to be found. I I just saw him in the thing, in the the chat room. He must be uh, getting interviewed by, uh, does he have a different different, uh, handle on, uh, what the hell? Skype? I don't know. Unless I'm supposed to call him by phone. I mean, who knows? As I was saying, he must be doing a a live hit for uh, Channel 8, Lakeland, or where does he live? Winter Haven? Lakeland, Florida? Channel 5, Lakeland, uh, Florida. Hello. All right, I think we're coming. Uh, joining me now, the winner of the Apopka Florida contest and pitmaster of Whiskey Bend Barbecue, uh, Chad Ward joins us here on the show. Hello. 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 I'm sorry. Must have picked up the wrong uh, dial here. Uh, uh, let me see if I can. Hello. Hello. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Get that big stuff out of here. <laughs> That's the best gag. You bite on you you guys bite on it every single time. I know you do. Look, the partying must be going deep in the Imperials Polk County. The IPC. The insane posse can't. All right, uh joining me now. Chad Ward. Hey Chad. How are you doing, my friend? I'm well. How are you? Doing real well. Dude, I bet you are. Can you hear me? I can. All right. The competition spotlight was firmly shining down on Apopka, Florida this past weekend, where literally top teams from across various sanctioning bodies showed up to try their hand at this FBA event. And uh, Whiskey Bend Barbecue comes out on top, but perhaps more importantly than winning the event, and correct me if I'm wrong, and the $10,000 check, I mean, everybody get one of those, breaking a 15th-month dry spell and collecting (laughs) a grand championship. I mean, that's nice, right? It's very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, what's best? Uh, Breaking, in all fairness... Is breaking the the dry spell the best, or is ten grand the best, or is saying that you won the championship of a popka the best? 
You know what? It's it's kind of a culmination of all three, Greg. Not to avoid your your question. Um, obviously, getting off of the uh, the fifteen month hiatus is nice. Uh, you know, we, we've been so focused on the store the last two years that you know we we were going into contests, you know, half cocked and not fully prepared, and you know things I'm just not proud of. But you know, each year we kind of put it together for the WFC, which. Three years running, we were fifth, fourth, and third. Um, so we, we, we kind of proved to ourselves that when we, you know, pulled our stuff together, we could be competitive. Um, that was one part of it. The other part was, you know, it was nice to win in that field. You know, and, and the paycheck doesn't hurt. But to go against, you know, not only your guys from down here, but Myron and some of the other guys that flew in and cooked it. You know, and, and, and the city of Apopka, that's a beautiful contest. For any of you guys up north, looking to get out of the winter and come down south and cook a contest, it's a great one. And and it's heavy on the payout up top, but, you know, it's great. And it's a four-day contest. You can cook barbecue on Friday and Saturday and cook chili on Sunday. Um, it's a fun one. Uh, Chad Ward joining us here on the show. He is the host of Whiskey Bent Barbecue in the Pit and uh, pit master of Whiskey Bent Barbecue competition team. Uh, Chad, you know, you'd mentioned something a couple minutes ago uh, saying it was a culmination and where you guys were and, and where you were kind of dialed in uh, at this point. You know, barbecue has become so expensive. It almost seems like why are you out there if you're if you are half cocked or, or if you're not really uh, not saying that you're not in it to win it, but to put yourself in, in a position that the majority of other guys, you know, aren't partying it out a little bit or aren't, or aren't really tying it on before they're going to cook because it's just so freaking expensive anymore. And it's so specialized and there's a huge expense layout. Nobody knows better uh, about that than you. Why do that? Like what, what's the deal? Well, you know, it, it wasn't about the, the going out there and laying it down super heavy, Greg. It was more about the, just going out there and, and being so preoccupied with other things in life that you that that you just didn't have your stuff together and you weren't mentally prepared to go cook a contest. I mean, the legend of whiskey man, yeah, man, we tore up a lot <laughs> of Friday nights. Three, four o'clock in the morning, Kevin Bevington, the proprietor of this channel, can say, um, we kept him up a couple of nights. We're not proud of it. Yeah, we kinda are. Um but 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 now in in, in this day and age, you 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 have to really focus in on the cook. So it wasn't that as much as just we just didn't have our stuff together from the point of view of literally, did we have our stuff together? Did we have all the stuff we needed for the cook? Did we have this? Did we have that? And it was like I said a little bit earlier, you know, on my show, it came down to a, a come to Jesus meeting between me and Matt Van at the WFC this past year where he just went, dude, are you in or are you out? I know you got a lot of stuff going on, but do you just want to be a – you want to be a barbecue guy that used to do something and has a store, or do you want to be a barbecue guy that's in it to win it and is and is relevant? And since then, I think you can look back at our results, and it was a big wake up call to me. And I thank Matt for that. That that's what great friends do. So when when you're heading into a popka here, when was the last time you competed? Before uh, uh, the last the, the last time we had competed was last weekend in Winter Haven. All right. And that that was our our debut of the the new stumps limited edition smoker. Yeah, that's a a, a variable burn. And uh, we had cooked on it here at the store numerous times. And 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 I, I will tell you, since the WFC, we've kind of been back to our 
back to the way we were when we were cooking well a couple of years ago. You know, everything regimented, everything prepped before we got out there, um, meat, sauces, rubs, injections, the whole nine yards ready to go. Nothing nothing that didn't need to go didn't fit in those boxes. And they go on the trailer, and that's what we cook with. And, um, yeah, so last weekend we had cooked. We took a sixth uh, there in Winter Haven, which we won a couple years ago. Um, Great contest, big IPC contest. For you guys that don't know what the IPC is, it's only the – the baddest, uh, the baddest con- county in the U.S. when it comes to barbecue. Um, and we were happy about it, man. We tied for a second in brisket. We had a seventh in pork. Uh, we made some changes. We, we test-cooked ribs three times this week uh, to make sure it was right. And then a popco, we get a one ninety nine in ribs. You know, h- how nice is that to, to test-cook, work your ass off, and then see the results, you know, a week later? So, you know, statistically speaking, let me give people a rundown in case they didn't go over to the – new uh, Florida Barbecue Association website, which is very nice, by the way. 69 total professional teams. Uh, you take uh, GC or the team takes GC with a 788.18, and then there's like seven yeah. or eight decimal points past that. that who cares? Uh, highest Florida Barbecue Association score ever amassed, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, it is, Greg. Right. And, and that, that means more to me than anything else. I mean, 350 contests. 15 years of the FBA and the, and the mountain of amazing cooks amazing. that have been at those 350 contests that honestly, and, and, and it will get broken someday. But to me at this point in time, it, it's the most amazing feat I've done in barbecue. And, um, and I'm going to relish it until somebody breaks it, man. And it's only because the, the guys that, that stepped before us were such great cooks to be able to say you got the the best score in the FBA and in, in the history of it at this point in time, simply amazing. The uh, point spread between you and Accutech was you know roughly six points. So you know when you look at uh, how do teams beat other teams in, in various ways of how they're yeah. ranking all the way over, that's a pretty big point spread too. I mean we've seen it at you know time and time again through various sanctioning bodies where you're a tenth of a point uh, between one and two or a hundredth or a thousandth of a point. So this is a pretty big gap. 20th in chicken, first in ribs, first in pork, third in brisket. So talk to me about chicken. Uh, when you don't hear your name called, you know, a lot of teams say, and you've heard the show a number of times, Chad, everybody likes to hear a chicken call because it, it seems to set a momentum or a mindset that, you know, we're right in it right off the bat. You don't get a call in chicken that it sets a tone for like, well, maybe we're not going to have a great day. Yeah, you know, that that's a great point, Greg. You, you loved it. And the way they did awards at Apopka, they called up two through ten. Um, so, you know, you hear nine names roll off the bat. You're not there. I looked over at Griff, and I said, we don't have first-place chicken today. Even though the chicken was good, it wasn't first-place chicken. Um, so I, I knew we were going to know calling chicken, and we did. And I will tell you, it was a different story when it came to ribs. Uh, ribs, they called two through ten up there. And I had made the comment, we, we cooked six slabs, Greg. And if we could have fit 24 in an FBI, FBA <laughs> box, we would have. Oh, that, um, that good, the, huh? The, the, there were four <laughs> slabs that were just delicious. And we narrowed it down to three slabs. And, and as you'll see, you know, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I posted our box pictures. I didn't have a picture of the rib box. Because it took us three minutes to push the back forward and the forward back 
to get the two hooks to stay in the box. Wow. My, my, my boy Jared Hatcher had put 18 ribs in the box, and it was jammed up, and they were all amazing. And um, and so when when we didn't hear our name, and maybe this is but, – but I had told him when we turned that box down, I said, guys, I said, in all the years I've been competition barbecue, that's the best ribs we've ever cooked. And, and I was kind of, when we didn't hear two through 10, I was kind of happy. Yeah. But guess what? They could have been the best 11th place rib you ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and when they called first place in ribs, it was a huge, just relief. Like, okay, well, 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 the judges are tracking down the same vein I am. And then when it came to, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, am I getting ahead of you? You want me to keep no. walking yeah. this progression? Yeah, pork was next, of course. Uh, Pork, man. Pork, we have not had a first place since 2010. Um, we, we've had some, you know, top tens and some top fives and some beating around first place, but pork's just never been our category. Um, but but I made a, a couple of changes here two weeks ago, and uh, we got that seventh last week, and we tweaked upon that, and um, it was it was really good pork. But but I'm not one to to judge pork super well. And uh, but Griff and and Jack and Jared were like, man, this is this is pretty damn good pork, man. And so I didn't know when we didn't get a call two through ten, I was a little worried. So we were kind of sitting there on the sidelines, waiting to see what happened. When they called first place pork us, I was like, holy smokes! It was a uh, it was it was a shocker to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. So uh, where does brisket fall in that? Were you happy with, with brisket? Man, and, you you know, know what? The the good Lord blessed us when we got into barbecue. Brisket was our category. Yep. And um, it, was our, it was our first backyard call ever. It was our first backyard first place ever. It was our first pro call. It was our first pro first place. And then, man, now my boy Sean McCraney over there at Mass Purveyors is pulling in these, these A9 Kobe Australian Wagyu briskets that are crazy good. And um, we, I, I think I looked at it, Pigfest fourth, uh, Winter Haven second, and now Apopka tied for third. And it was a 199 brisket yep. in third place. And it was good. I mean, I mean, it, it was it was really good. And I'll tell you guys out there, listen right now, don't overthink brisket, man. Burn-ins need to be sweet. Slices need to taste like beef. And, and 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 I'll leave it at that. But it was it was good, and I was happy when we got that call. Two through ten teams. Here's who needs to line up for brisket. And when we heard whiskey bent, I kind of tapped Griffin on the shoulder and went, "Okay, I don't think we 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 threw chicken out the out the door, and now we know we got a two through ten in brisket, and we got a one and one. You know, maybe this is us. So when you get the call for overall. Uh, I mean, does it just validate uh, a having a meeting with Matt uh, and then putting in the work post that discussion leading up to, you know, a popka with, you know, some of the finishes that you've been having and, and having good results in the categories? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was. I mean, the, the way they did results at a popka was they did three, three through 15 up to the stage and you didn't get that call. And we were fortunate to be right there with uh, Brad and John from AccuTech, which have been hot as hell. Yes. This FBA season, and man, they're great guys. They're I consider them family, man. And, and I love to see a father and dad cooking together and having such a good time and having such good results, man. They're they're just amazing people, and to be able to be right there with them when when three through fifteen went up, and then they called out RGC, you know, Accutech, 
you know, we hugged him and, and, and told him congratulations. And then it was kind of like it started to sink in that I don't think we had 61st place chicken. And, uh, and, and then everybody started coming up. The Elser boys, Tim Malloy, Rub took that awesome video, which, you know, is so cool to have to capture the moment for, yep. you know, years from now. And, um, and man, when they called it, man, it, it was. You're right, Greg. It was a culmination of thinking back to that. I mean, it was an ugly conversation me and Matt had. It was There wasn't nothing pretty about it. Gr- you know, Griff was in the trailer, too, and he's like, oh, shit. Guess this is the way these old IPC boys do it. But... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but 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 it was and and yeah, man, you're absolutely right to to go in and and tighten up and get onto the program and and see the results. It, uh, dude, it's well worth it, man. There's there's nothing better than hearing your name called last in a field like that, especially when it ends with a ten thousand dollar check. No doubt about it. Chad Ward is the pitmaster whiskey bent barbecue, the host of whiskey bent. Barbecue in the pit and walking away with Grand Championship this past weekend at the Apopka, Florida event. Uh, Chad, uh, congratulations again. Where are you going to be competing at next? Man, we've got, I, I hate it, we've got about six weeks off. Wow. Um, we've got uh, two sold-out brisket classes here at the store. Uh, they sold out within seven days. Um, got a, a personal event, a charity event the next weekend. We've got a... Uh, taking a little vacation the weekend after that. And then the two big conferences, the uh, MBBQA and the HPBA conference. And then we will, uh, we got the grand opening of the Odessa store, uh, which is our second franchise store. And then uh, we'll be back in action the first weekend of February in Vero beach for a first time uh, KCBS contest. First week in April. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, And looking forward to that. I mean, I mean, that's cool. You know, I've talked to the organizer a little bit. They, they want to put on a great contest down there. And uh, we're going to test cook a whole bunch between now and then. I bet you will. And uh, continued success, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. You know what, Greg? All right, there I he is. I love having my own show. It's a real pleasure to be on this show. You got it. My Thank man. you, man. My man, Chad Ward, right there. He hosts his own show, by the way. Anybody watch that? I was prepping for my show. Plus, I never want to be uh, swayed by what other questions are being asked by somebody else to chat so it doesn't look like I'm trying to ask him the same thing. Forget about it. I'll catch it on the replay on OutdoorCookingChannel.com. I'm going to talk to you quickly about Fast Eddie's by Cook Shack. 100% stainless steel wood-burning fired cooker. Uses a direct and indirect heat up to 800 degrees. It's controlled with the IQ5. PG 500 1000 have many great features, including 784 square inches of cooking space, easy side-loading pellet hopper, fully automated wood pellet feed system, stainless steel cooking grate on the direct side that produces killer-looking sear marks, nickel-plated grills on the indirect top racks, a drip bucket, a pellet ash drawer, 100% stainless steel construction, a warming drawer, 40 pounds of cook shack hickory pellets, and a 30-day money-back guaranteed. It's a versatile pellet cooker that adds full flavor to your recipes, including fajitas, ribs, chicken, steaks, desserts, sides, and large cuts of meat. It can do it all, plus cold smoking. Grilling with wood pellets penetrate the food with an intense, smoky flavor. When you cook with pellets, it's more consistent. The smoke, more flavorful for recipes and how-to videos. Check out the YouTube channel or the cooking guide at their website, cookshack.com. Cookshack, you can call them at 800-423-0698. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Be right back. 
big-name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. Yeah, I pushed the wrong button right there. Welcome back to 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Congratulations again to Chad Ward and the whole Whiskey Bend Barbecue team for taking Grand Champion or Pop the Floor to this past weekend. You know, I, I guess what resonates with me is, you know, if, if you follow Chad and his team and see where they came up, uh, uh, an ebullient team, a, a team uh, that carried a lot of confidence right as they started out. Some would call them uh, cocky, maybe overly cocky, but uh, was able to back it up right off the bat. Uh, and then you get involved in other stuff, and, you know, Chad, very successful businessman outside of uh, barbecue, uh, like not even including the stores, uh, which he's successful at too. Uh, you know, falling off a little bit and then having that that moment of, are, are we in or are we out? Tie it up, tighten it up, boom, grand championship, uh, you know, fast forward. All right, uh, we are going to wrap up the first hour here. Uh, we'll step away for a couple minutes, and we'll be back for the second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Chris Payne from Euclid, Ohio, and you are listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine, how you doing? We have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate 54 wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome in. This is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about barbecue stuff here and grilling stuff here. Boing. Making sure my battery's okay in my hip pack so I can hear. You can't see it, but I can. that's how I hear stuff right there. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Your two bits of contact info. This show is broadcasting live via the interwebs from Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I did get a note from Kevin Bevington, a proprietor of OutdoorCookingChannel.com, saying that the uh, streaming issues that I guess were happening at OutdoorCookingChannel.com have since been resolved uh, for the last number of minutes now. So if you're watching on YouTube, 
and you want to bump back over, uh, please do that. Otherwise, uh, stay put uh, or do consume however you want. Uh, this show, in case you missed the first hour, uh, we'll see podcast around 11.55 tonight, and you can catch up on the entire show at that point or anytime after. Don't forget this show runs, uh, this particular show. So what I'm trying to say as I am confusing myself is the Tuesday show airs 24 hours on Wednesday. So if you miss this show live on Tuesday, if you can get to the stream, the audio stream on Wednesday at any point, uh, the show runs in succession. So, So it's like starting at midnight tonight all the way through until midnight tomorrow. You have the opportunity of listening to this show in its entirety or however you get it. Maybe you get a piece here. Maybe you get a piece there. And there you go. So to come on the show tonight, Brad Leiniger from Getting Basted to talk about chicken, chicken, and more chicken. Prep and cooking and posting and other barbecue-related topics. Never mind. All right. Uh, so let's get to the weekly barbecue roundup. This past weekend in the Kansas City Barbecue Society. Nothing. 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 In the Texas area of the world, the IBC, two cookoffs and two reporting, the VFW Chili Chili and Barbecue in Austin, Texas, 102 teams taking place and or part. Andrew Heckman, Honky Tonk Cookers, wins it. Congratulations, Andrew. And the South Texas Courage to Change in Mission, Texas. Winning that one is Inhognito. They win a lot. Texas Gulf Coast had zero competition. And the Lone Star Barbecue Society had zero competition. A little slow in the competition world right now. Of course... Uh, the St. Louis Barbecue Society, which I'm going to be covering starting this year. Zero. Florida Barbecue Association had the old Florida Outdoor Festival in Apopka, Florida. And, of course, winning that, my last segment guest, Whiskey Bent Barbecue with the highest ever cumulative score in FBA history, 788.183328. I have it committed to memory. And last but not least, meat stock, Sydney, Australia results. If you're not familiar, this is a contest that was held in Australia. So, good day, mate. Let's throw another shrimp on the barbie. It's one of my favorite lines in, in the best movie ever made. So, don't, I'm not making fun of anybody. Uh, okay, where was I? Contest held in Australia to date, February 14th. Meat stock, A&E, Sydney Barbecue Wars, was held in Sydney, Australia over the weekend. That attracted 48 teams. It's a six-meat category contest sanctioned by the Australia. Uh, is that Australian? There must be some non-pronounced words in that spelling, the Australian Barbecue Alliance. So that does not look like uh, what one would refer to as a KCBS-style contest, but, you know, six-meat category. Uh, winning it 
from Redmond, Washington, Saffron Hogson. What? I want to point out the obvious Australia, but America, America, done come over to your world and own you on the barbecue circuit. As we say here in America, suck it and suck it double. Yeah. Just in case you think America's slipping on the barbecue, we will come from Redmond, Washington, America to Sydney, Australia and beat you in barbecue competitions. We will do that. Wait, what? Saffron's from Australia. Saffron Hogson from Redmond, Washington. I am so confused. Uh Never mind. That contest didn't even happen. Is it April yet? Is April 1st? Good Lord. Still to come, as I had mentioned, Brad Leininger from Getting Basted. I don't know if you guys saw this breaking news story. Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. That's right, folks. Greg Rappi reporting here live from Cleveland, Ohio, the Barbecue Central's breaking news desk. iDevices iGrill, the world's number one app-enabled grilling thermometer, is acquired by Weber. Now, let's talk about revisionist history because Patrick Paquette is claiming that I am somehow mincing words with my segment interview with Stephen Reichlin about eating salmon eggs off of each other's bellies. In theory, of course, I have no problem with that. I think in theory, nobody really has a problem with that. And most people would want some kind of video with that. Uh Nevertheless, nevertheless... I believe the last time I had, uh, what's his name? Peter Gabriel, I believe, is the guy's name. The, the I think He was like general manager or media person or sales manager, whatever he was uh, or is. Uh, Peter Gabriel, I believe, was his name. And I believe at the end of the last time that we talked a handful of months ago, and I can go back and look at it in the archives, I said, and I asked anybody that ate product and the company isn't huge hmm. to me it's always i'm not saying they're out they don't start out this way but i think there is a opportunity for a, a business mind to think that you know down the road if this progresses and it gains steam and there might be the opportunity to, to get a payday again not saying that that's what they were out for in the beginning however you get a great product Maybe you've taken it just as far as you possibly can. I don't know. I'm not saying that iDevices Inc. thought that. I'm merely speculating. And then to have a company as big as Weber, like the biggest grill manufacturer in the world, come to say, hey, we would like that. And then you sell it off. Like, why not, right? But I believe at that point in time, he was still saying, you know, this is a... uh, we're parents of the product. We want to keep the product in-house. We, we want to nurture it and grow it. 
Uh, February 10th, 2016, iDevices, the preeminent brand in the connected home industry, announced Tuesday, uh, today that it has entered into a definitive agreement to sell the world's number one app-enabled grilling and cooking thermometer brands, namely iGrill and Kitchen Thermometer, to Weber Stevens Product LLC. Weber, the world's largest manufacturer of outdoor cooking grills and grilling accessories, will continue to offer and grow the line of connected cooking products. The line today includes the app-enabled Bluetooth, smart thermometer, including iGrill 2, iGrill Mini, Kitchen Thermometer, and Kitchen Thermometer Mini, as well as several accessory probes. The terms of the agreement are private, a.k.a. we don't want you to know how much money we are making on that. Hey, I was shouting from the rooftop. That's what I'm talking about, Dave. Where's Weber and uh, approaching Butcher Barbecue about the grilling oils and the fabulous new rubs? Get some real stuff on your shelves, Weber. Come on, man. Trust your butcher. Trust that butcher. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk to you about the butcher right now. No better or easier way to step up the barbecue and grilling game on the circuit, in the backyard, what have you, than by going to ButcherBBQ.com. Check out the new website, ButcherBBQ.com. Check out the great new products as well, the rubs. You know they have the injections, the pork, the beef, the prime injection, the bird booster. The open pit pork injection, the grilling oils, come on. Honey rub, pecan rub, special uh, uh, private blend rub, chipotle rub, uh, cherry rub. I mean, come on. The line of products is vast and wide sweeping. I don't think, as a matter of fact, what did I do here? Aha, uh-huh. yep, I found it. On top of all of this, $8 in shipping no matter how much you're buying. If you buy $500 worth of stuff and it's heavy, you think, oh, man, I'm screwed. It's going to be like $700 in shipping. Oh, no, it's not. $8. $8. Go to ButcherBBQ.com and see what's happening over there right now. Check out the new website. Buy the grilling oils. Uh, It's no joke. I could go right up now if this camera could actually travel up there in real time so you don't think I'm doing camera magic. But I have a bottle of butter-flavored grilling oil right next to my stove because it is delish, and I use it. Every time there's butter called for it, here's a trick. Get grilling oil, and you want to make a quick grilled cheese sandwich? Get the bread out. Get the pan down. Heat the pan. Grilling oil. Heat it up. Bread down, cheese, bread down. Let the grilling oil soak into the bread. Then pick it up, grilling oil down, let it heat up a little bit, flip it over. Now you got both sides of the bread buttered. Boom, turn the heat up. You got grilled cheese sandwich, easy as pie or cheese. But you use it because it's out there, shelf stable. You don't need to keep putting it back in the refrigerator, forgetting about it. Don't forget the trade-in program is still going as well as I make an incredibly bad segue. You have commercially made injections from somebody else and it's bad and your scores have fallen off or your wife thinks it's bad too. Trade in link at ButcherBBQ.com. ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We're back with Brad Leiniger right after this.
Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back to 162200966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Don't forget, maybe a week from Thursday will be the premiere episode, episode one of the Barbecue Roundup. Tell your friends, subscribe to this podcast feed. Go to iTunes, subscribe. It's, it's going to be podcast only. It's not going to be video. It's not going to be done live. It's all going to be pre recorded. So you need to subscribe to the Barbecue Central show to get the weekly, every what will be every Thursday at noon, new episodes will be released for the Barbecue Roundup. We'll cover news. We'll cover, uh, we'll have a spotlight section. It'll be great. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the show in order to get the uh, the barbecue roundup. All right. Uh, joining me now is the 2015 Team of the Year KCBS in Chicken. We're going to talk about chicken, 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 and also a bunch of other stuff as well as time allows. The pitmaster of getting basted, Brad Leininger, joining me here on the show. Brad, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you, Greg? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Brad. Appreciate you uh, making time for the show tonight, my man. And uh, so obviously it's uh, a lot of chicken talk up front, and then whatever time we have left over, uh, we can uh, get into some other things as well because rumor has it you're a pretty damn good brisket cook as well. So maybe we can uh, throw a couple questions out there as well. But uh, before we get started, uh, maybe uh, you know just a quick background about you and uh, the team when you decided to jump in the whole barbecue business. Yeah, we uh, started in 2012. Uh, we cooked our local contest, uh, uh, Rock and Ribs, here in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, we actually kind of kind of leads into how we got into being, being so good at chicken. We got three meat calls at that contest, and we got like a 149 in chicken or something like that. So it uh, cost us a grand championship, essentially, in our first contest. And our second contest with, with something very similar. And uh, so... In our third contest, we uh, were next to Lauren and Cheryl Hill of Smoking Hills. And uh, we got them. I went over there and just shigged up as hard as I could for chicken. And they helped me out a lot. That actually got me on the road to tell them what, uh, what to do for KCS chicken. Brad, what are you cooking on? I cook on Gateway Drum Smokers. We've been cooking on those for three years, uh, since 2013. And I wouldn't have any other way. It's the best thing on the, on the market right now. Uh, Brad, you know, that's a, a great segue for me, and I appreciate that, uh, you being a professional guest uh, to do that for me. You know, ugly drum smokers have been around, you know, ever since I have been in the industry, not necessarily even with the show, but, you know, when I first got my Weber Smoky Mountain, uh, there's a website out there called Virtual Weber Bullet that is, you know, specifically to that particular cook, but a lot of these guys were making drum-style smokers out of what seemed like any piece of garbage that they had in their uh, backyard. You know, you fast-forward it a number of years. Now you have this gateway drum smoker that is literally taking over the competition barbecue scene. You have a number of teams, you know, using it as a, a complement to some of the other cookers. However, I think you're seeing more and more teams go to being a, a complete can team. So maybe they have two or, or three uh, units, depending on you know how much space you feel you need to have or cook at one time or whatever the case may be. Are you surprised at the amount of adulation 
and popularity that specifically the Gateway Drum Smoker has seen over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, we we put a lot of work into it too. I mean, you know, we we've uh, uh, had a lot of success, and and the teams that are cooking on them, you know, whether it's one meat or two meats or three meats, I mean, they've had a lot of success too. So, I mean, just success, uh, you know, kind of breeds people wanting to be a part of it. You know, I mean, the American Royal uh, Invitational this year, World Food Championships, um, you had the Sam's Club Nationals, uh, uh, Rib Team of the Year, Chicken Team of the Year. And there's only a handful of us cooking on it. So there, it's, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. So while I'm not surprised, there's also been a lot of work and a lot of, and a lot of buildup. We've been doing it for a long time. And it's just exciting. I'm excited for Tim, Tim and Terry Shear and, you know, that it's getting to be where, you know, this thing's taken off the way it is. Do you think that, do you like the fact that, uh, well, I mean, from a business standpoint, it's great because everybody wants to kind of copy where success is coming from. And if you see it's a cooker, I remember everybody felt like you had to buy a Jambo pit in order to be, uh, successful or at least uh, be able to put a competing foot out there. And now you see gateway drum smokers are kind of becoming the, the new Jambo to a certain degree in the, in the can style uh, brand of cooker. If people started using rat shit as fuel and people were winning with it, do you think that there would be a run on rat shit? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I think there's, there's something to that little bit. I mean, I think people are kind of playing follow the leader a little bit, but you know, in this case, it's, it's not just the winning, you know, it's also uh, the ease of use and the fact that, you know, people get tired of tending a fire all night. And, and they they like the fact that, that for, you know, 799 bucks, they can get a drum smoker, they can get up in the morning, and they can turn out just as good a product as that $12,000 Jambo smoker does. So I think, you know, there's something more to it than just follow the leader. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of attractive things to it. And, and, you know, frankly, that's why I did it. You know, I, I did it because I didn't want to tend a fire all night anymore. Brad Leiniger joining me here on the show, pitmaster of getting basted. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, uh, Brad's stats, 2015 team of the year, KCBS chicken, as I just mentioned. Second KCBS brisket overall, 25th pork, 15th ribs. Uh, that gets you a seventh overall in KCBS team of the year. As you look back on 2015, Brad, how satisfied are you overall with the performance in the individual categories and in the overall rank? Oh, no, we had a great year. You know, we're excited about it. We always, you know, I mean, I think every competitor out there is going out there to win. I don't know that we ever set out uh, to win team of the year or anything. It's just kind of one of those things that, that you know, it's it's a goal, and you just kind of get into the middle of the summer or towards the end of the summer and, uh, you know, see where you're at, and then you go chasing for it. And the funny thing is, is, you know, I kind of ended up winning chicken, but I was chasing, you know, I was trying to chase uh, Smoky D's down for brisket. And, uh, you know, we, that's what I was driving all over the country. So you had a uh, uh, fire dancer was driving, trying to catch me and, and check in. And I was going to try to get uh, smoky D's and brisket. And it came down to the last week of the season. I actually lost uh, a, a coin flip in Knoxville, Tennessee on a, a, a tie. I got second place. I needed to win, ended up uh, losing the brisket team of the year by three or four points. And the same thing was happening to Eric when fire dancer and chicken, you know, he needed to get a first or second to pass me. He ended up getting fourth. So it's just, it just shows you how, you know, down to the wire, how close all these things are. So, yeah, we're thrilled to death with our year this year. Absolutely. Uh, Brad, let's go ahead and get into the chicken stuff here first, and then uh, we can digress after the fact. Uh, pre-cook stuff or preparation. Uh, I talked with Tim last week. I talked with uh, Sterling Ball the week before that in their particular categories that they won pork and ribs, uh, respectively. 
is chicken getting into a, or do you see any trend of, of chicken getting into a, a specialty arena? Brisket has seen probably the biggest uptick from, you know, the commodity brands of beef now into where I, I would imagine a lot of teams feel that they have to be competitive with a, with a prime at least, or not the, the Wagyu stuff uh, at the higher end. Pork, you're starting to see some heritage breeds and the, the Duroc stuff. Um, do you see anything like that resonating in the chicken world, or is it still kind of a, a commodity chicken at least? No, I mean, it's it's a commodity chicken right now. I mean, I, I honestly, I like my chicken fresh. Uh, for a long time, I used smart chicken, and, and even it seems like towards the end of the year, middle of the year on last year, I don't know if they were just, just getting bigger or finishing them quicker. The, some of the quality in that seemed to go down. So, I mean, it, it, it is a, it's a commodity. I just go looking for the best piece of chicken. I try to get it in fresh. I don't like frozen chicken, but other than that, I'm just looking more for, for a size. And, 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 you know, I kind of deal with, you know, if it's got a lot of fat under the skin, then I'll go in and I'll scrape the skin. You know, if it's got big knuckles, I'll go in and hack those off. You know, at that point, you just kind of take the chicken and make it what it is. Do you, do you, have you heard, or do you think that there's going to be some kind of a, a chicken producer out there that's going to try and bring a, a specialty brand to the market? Or is, is there, there's just no need for chicken at that point? No, I mean, I wouldn't say there's no need. I mean, it's just like anything else. I mean, fat's flavor and good marbling is good marbling. And I would think the same thing would hold true with chicken. I mean, I, I don't know enough about it to know if there's a breed out there or anything out there. But yeah, I mean, I think if something came to the market that delivered that, you know, a, a, a more fat and more moisture in uh, a more tender piece of chicken, then absolutely. I mean, absolutely, I'd look at using it. But there's nothing out there that I'm aware of right now. Are you a team that's doing all thighs when you turn in? Um, we, we kind of did a little mix. I mean, yeah, I think we do, I would say probably 85% of the contests we did thighs. And I think thighs are the safe play. So if you're going out and you're trying to win a grand championship, uh, you know, and, and you want to go out and put, you know, I kind of look at it as golf. You want to go out there and get that par, you know, get that 170, 172 or whatever, some chicken to get out of the next ingredients. You definitely want to stick with thighs. But if you want to take a wide swing and, and, and you want to win a category, you know, so at the end of the year when we were looking more at winning chicken as a category, you know, I was running legs because I think they have a higher ceiling, but uh, I also think they've got a lower floor. So, you know, it's kind of more risk reward. So if you want to go out and win chicken, I would suggest cooking legs. Uh, if you want to put yourself in the chain, you know, give yourself the best chance to win a contest, I'd cook five. You had mentioned you're looking for uniform size when you're buying chicken. What else are you looking for? Are you looking for a color of a skin? Are, are you looking for a specific weight in a, in a, in a box? Like, what's your, what are your key items? Um, well, I end up buying. What I usually do is is order a case, and I, I work with my local butcher, and it's the only way that you can be sure you're getting a fresh product. A lot of times, if you just go to the grocery store, uh, they'll pass off previously frozen product as fresh product. So I just get it by the case. So you just have a standing order, essentially, you know, from from March through you know the end of November. To, you know, I'm getting a case of chicken pies. And so I'm not necessarily picking them out, but I'm getting enough that I have to pick through. If I'm going to the grocery store to pick out, I'd be looking at four packs that were probably, you know, uh, as close to two pounds as I could get them, 1.75 to two pounds. I think it's easier to take a bigger piece of tri- uh, chicken and knock some stuff down, obviously, than if it is to sit there and try to fight a piece of chicken that's, that's smaller. Even though sometimes on the smaller pieces of chicken, you know, you, you shouldn't just toss them because sometimes, the, you know, they've got smaller bones and I have the knuckles and they might be a little more attractive that way. But I do look for uniform size, but I'm not a guy that's, uh, 
muffin panning or, you know, I, I don't care if my chicken, you know, I've, I've got 180s ugly chicken. I think if it looks like chicken, I mean, you want to make it look good. You want to make it taste good. But sitting there trying to make them look cookie cutter, I, I think it'll work with some judges, but it'll hurt with you, you with just as many. So there's not a lot of reason to waste time doing it in my mind. Brad Leiniger joining us here on the show. How many are you cooking for a contest, Chad? Or Brad? Uh, I'll do, uh, I'll do uh, 16. I'll do, uh, wow. you know, uh, we, I usually, like I said, I get a case, and the cases I would get were 24. So we'll turn, you know, we'll get 24 to take 16 to a contest to turn in. You know, the way I trim them, I'm only getting six in a box. So uh, 16 to get six. In regards to the trim that you had mentioned, do you have a, an extensive trimming process? You know, I, I hear from pitmasters every week about, chicken being the the worst category to prep for and some guys you know spend very little time on it some guys seem to go hours and hours on it where do you fall at in the trimming process i'm probably in the middle i mean i i didn't i probably first scraped the skin probably about the middle of this summer and as i said it was just more because the product seemed to have more fat on the skin you know if you can get a good organic product that doesn't have a lot of fat on the skin you don't want to clean it clear down in my mind, you want to leave a little bit of that fat in there because that's going to be some moisture. What you're looking for is big pockets of fat. And so if I see that, and you can look at the chicken and see it, if I see that, I'll come in there and fillet that off. But other than that, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll come in there and maybe pull out a couple of those tendons and, and veins that are on the backside there and then just square it up. But I, I'm really not spending a lot of time trimming chicken. Like I said, I, I don't know that, you know that it matters as long as you're making it look good. I think, I think we overthink that quite a bit. Uh, and I don't think the judges are necessarily going to going to ding us for you know chicken that looks like chicken. Brett, are you a, a team that injects or brines your chicken? I, I brine. I've always brined, and uh, been using uh, Cosmos uh, uh, chicken soap, and uh, you know it, that that's a good one to use. I like that one because you don't you don't have to heat it up. You just stir it in, and and it'll go. So. But any, any, you know, a good commercial brine, or we've even run with just a, a salt and brown sugar mix before. You know, we used to run with that and did just fine. So, but yeah, I think I think brining and, and the important thing I do is I brine the night before, and I let it rest. And I think that lets the the, the liquid distribute throughout the meat a little bit better than if you just uh, brine it and put it straight on the grill. Have you ever messed around with injecting? It, it seems to be a little bit more popular than it has a handful of years ago. I have. Um, I've tried it, and, and we always have a practice contest down here where we get judges and do a little tell-all thing. And I injected some chicken there, and, and they didn't like it. You know, I don't know if I, you know, went too heavy. And the thing about chicken is it's not like, you know, pork or brisket where there's those striations and places for that stuff to go. You know, chicken's almost like rubbery, so you're just, to me, when you're injecting, you're just getting little pockets. And, and, you know, maybe you get somebody that's, that's a little more familiar with, with, with the process and y'all might be doing it wrong, but that's just what it seems like to me. I'll end up in the, the injection just won't distribute throughout the bird as much as a uh, Bradwell in my mind. Brad, when you're uh, filleting some of the fat off of the skin, you're obviously peeling back. When you put it back over, you just let it loose or do you have to resecure it with a toothpick or anything like that? No, I, I leave it loose. I mean, I try to cut it big enough so I've got a little overlap on the, on the other east side. But other than that, you know, part of our process and part of the benefit of the drum is, you know, we've got some high heat. So, you know, I'll kind of put it on a rack to start it. And, and that way I can kind of get that skin and that rub set up before, you know, we go in and then, and then basically butter braise it, you know, to, to get the skin tender. But the key thing is for that, so you don't have to, uh, you know, meat glue it or toothpick it or whatever you want to skin it so it sets up uh, before you, go, you put it in the steam. 
in regards to rub, uh, how far in advance are you rubbing before it goes into the cooker, and, and what kind of a rub are you using to stay flavor profile-wise? I'm, I'm using, uh, uh, recently I just started using the Big Papa stuff. I really like that and some uh, Simply Marvelous. And uh, um, I'm just doing it 30 minutes before it goes on. Uh, and all I'm doing is looking, I mean, I always, and with all my meats, I'm looking for, for a couple things from the rub. Obviously, flavor is one, but I'm also looking for color. And one of the things I think on chicken that you want to look for is a, is a, uh, a nice rub that's going to hold the sauce. So some of, uh, you know, Big Papa stuff, you know, has got some bigger chunks on it. And I think it kind of grips that sauce a little bit, makes it makes it set up and shine. Doesn't doesn't, doesn't grease up on top like you've seen some chicken do. It actually, you know, sit on hold it when you set it, make it look nice. Uh, any other items of preparation that you do that we don't talk about? For instance, you know, do you have you ever deboned uh, chicken thighs when you cook or or anything weird like that, or is you pretty much covered everything? No, man, I, I try to leave them as you know. The less I have to do to them, the better off I am. If I start getting in there, I'll do some pork all the time. I'll start trimming and I won't stop. Next thing I know, I got to go get another butt. So I, I, the, the, the less chance I give myself to screw up, the better off I am. So I, I, I leave it pretty well alone. All right. So uh, that's the, uh, the, the preparation side of things. Let's get into the cooking section, if you don't mind, Brad. And we're talking with the pit master of getting basic Brad Leininger. Uh, what kind of wood are you using for smoke flavor? I don't, I don't smoke chicken at all. I think um, oh. I, I'm using uh, blue hog lump charcoal in my drum, and uh, you know that's predominantly oak uh, uh, from the Missouri Ozarks down here, and that is all I flavor my chicken with. I think a lot of times that smoke is a, a, an unpredictable factor, and you guys that'll kind of blacken or darken up their skin or toughen up their skin, and I think that's from the smoke. You know, too much smoke. I, I just think to me it's it's an unknown how it's going to act on that skin and and. You know, if I was going to put it on there, it'd be as light as possible, and I just take that that variable out of it. So I'm just using the smoke from the natural charcoal. Do you have a a target time in the morning when you put the chicken on to get going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll usually put it on uh, about ten fifteen, and uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm rubbing about uh, you know nine forty five or so. Like I said, I do it about a half hour. So you know, nine forty five, I'll get them out of the uh, you know the the cooler and rub them down, and then they're going on. You know, I go back in the cooler. I keep everything as cold as possible. I think that's uh, an important part to hold in the shape of the chicken. So, you know, I'll rub them, put them back in the cooler, then I'll pull those out and put them straight on the on the gateway. Tim Shear gave me a, an interesting answer to the question. I think uh, a lot of people thought he was being coy and trying not to answer directly. But uh, when I followed up with him, I understood exactly what he was saying. Uh, do you try and run the, the gateway drum smoker at a specific temperature while you're cooking the chicken? Or, uh, for instance, Tim said, I don't care about temperature. I, I'm looking at velocity of the smoke coming out of the exhaust and, and a couple of the other things, which I understand. Uh, are, are you a similar uh, cooker that way in, in regards to pit temperature, or do you like to you know, really see and dial it into a specific number? No, no you, know, it, you know, if I would, I'd run a pit master IQ or something like that. And I don't. Um, I, I, I'm the same way as Tim on that. What I'll do is I'll adjust things, uh, you know, on the back end, if I'm running a little hot, and my main thing is on all my meats, I don't want to fight my drum. I mean, that's the thing you get people will ask you, hey, you know, I'm having a hard time holding the temperature I want. Well, I mean, some days it's going to be hotter and that drum's going to run a little hotter. Some days it's going to be, you know, cooler, it's going to run a little cooler. So my main thing is I don't want to be sitting there adjusting the whole time so I don't fight my drum. So I'll just look at how it's running and then and then just, just adjust from there, you know, five, ten minutes in either direction. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it's just more the way it looks and the way it feels that day. 
Do you baste or mop the chicken during the cook, or it just goes in and you let it ride? Yeah, it goes in, let it run, and then you know we're going to come back and and give it the old uh, the old steam treatment in the pan. So, but yeah, but you know the first part we're just setting up that rub and we're setting up the skin, getting a little bit of color on there, and and you know firming it up essentially before we come back and and, and steam the skin tender. It, it seems. You know, when I was doing these roundtable shows, and this is kind of like the one-person roundtable, I guess, but when I talked to the pitmasters, you know, three, four years ago, people were still shooting for internal temperatures. You know, fast forward now, and especially in chicken, it seems like, hey, I know the program. I know my cooker. It's just time. I don't take temperature. A lot of guys aren't even, like, tasting. We'll get into that here in a minute in the post-cook stuff. But in regards to temperature for finish, do you – check or do you just know uh, due to experience uh, pit management that x amount of time in the cooker with the smoke kind of coming out this way it's going to be done yeah i mean i'll look at it essentially so you know i, I, I think it's running you know hot or cold or whatever. I'll, I'll check it out look at it and i know what it looks like when it's done right so so it's not a temperature thing it's, it's completely the way it looks the way it the way it's kind of shrunk up or whatever if you want to call it um, I don't worry about temperature. I know, I, you know, I thought for a while, and, and, and Tim and I talked about this a lot, you know, thought for a while that we had the, the perfect chicken temperature figured out. And, and you know, yeah, the score, the score, and then it would quit. And then we'd go a little lower, that would score. We'd go a little higher, that would score. I think the truth of the matter is some judges like a, a you know, more texture than chicken. Some like a little more mushy. So I just really don't think there's a number you can hit. I think basically you make the taste good and, and get it, you know, consistent, you know, the way you like it, you can go, uh, uh, worrying about a temperature. I just don't think there's a magic bullet out there. I think you just, you're just chasing something that, that's just not worth chasing. So I'm just going by all look and, 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 and essentially it ends up being, being a time thing, but, uh, you know, sometimes I'll pull them early and I'll just leave and sit on the counter for 10 minutes and, and rest up a little bit before I set the sauce. And sometimes I'm running late. So I'm always kind of at the beginning of the window anyway. So if I do need to go a little bit further, I've got that 10 minutes that I can play with. You said you do like a, a steaming uh, thing to, to get the sauce or the, the skin tender. And, you know, a lot of the cooks are doing that whole butter braise thing. I believe you actually used the term butter braise uh, a couple minutes ago. Uh, sure. Do you do that because you feel that that is a process that judges are looking for in regards to, to getting to that finished product that they're judging and, and you would rather not do all that butter stuff? Some would argue that that kind of bastardizes it right out of being barbecue at all uh, at that point, and it's just brazing. Uh, do, do you like having to do that, or would you rather not if you could get away with it? No, well, man. I mean, uh, I, I would like for you know you, this this bite through skin thing to go away because the drum. I mean, if, if we could get rid of that thing, man. I mean, the drums really. I mean, they already do well enough. Chick, but they really shine. I mean, the best chick. I mean, for King of the Smokers, even I did this. I put the legs and, and, the, and the wing flats on there, and I just sit there and flip them. I just grilled them and turned them in. And they were, they were incredible. I mean, you know, you're not washing out any of that flavor. So, yeah, I mean, I would like it so the bite-through skin wasn't the, the hallmark. And to me, it's just, I don't know if it's lazy judging or, or what it is, but that's the first thing they look at, did that skin bite through. And if it, does, if it doesn't bite through, then everything else shuts down. Oh, it's just not a good piece of chicken. So yeah, I, I would love for there to be a little bit more more depth of thought into what we're trying to do with the chicken. But but as it is, that that's not there right now. And not that some judges aren't capable of that. Obviously, it's just you know all it takes is two of them at the table that are, that are close minded to something like that. And they're going to shut you down and ruin your contest. 
So as it is, you know, we've got to run and we've got to uh, uh, sit there and give them that bite through skin that they're looking for. And the most consistent way to get that bite through skin is to put it in a butter bath, you know, for better or for worse. So, you know, we're just giving them what they want. Brett, any other cooking items uh, during the cook that we haven't covered yet that you do? No, I mean, just, you know, like sauce, you know, we're, we're running blue sauce. I mean, uh, 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 you know, blue sauce mix, and, and I don't set it for very long. I mean, I think one thing, thing people can do is they can tack that sauce up too much. All you're really trying to do is get some good color, get it so it holds up, but you don't want it to stick to your roof of your mouth, in my opinion. So other than that, we'll pull it off, pull it out of the butter, sauce it up, put it back on the rack for about five minutes, and then, then we go into the box. All right, uh, so we'll get into the box stuff here in a second. Can I hold you over one more segment, and uh, we'll finish the, the post-cooking stuff and talk uh, about a couple yeah. other barbecue items? You bet. All right, uh, we're talking with Brad Leiniger from Getting Basted, your 2015 Team of the Year chicken cook, almost brisket cook as well. Should time allow, we'll uh, talk a little brisket with Brad. I'm going to talk to you about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue. Number one dealer of Mac Pellet Grills in the world, Big Papa Smokers features a wide selection of American-made grills and smokers, such as the Old Hickory Ace BP, the Gateway Drum Smoker, and even a drum kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa's made a name for itself in recent years by crafting an award-winning line of championship rubs. From flavors like Sweet Money to Happy Ending, their rubs have had a hand in winning almost every major barbecue competition. Don't think that they can be pigeonholed in competitive barbecue either. BJ's Restaurant and Brew House has become so fond of the BPS rubs, four of the nine have been featured on their permanent menu. And amid glowing reviews, BPS rubs are proven to be a great addition to anyone's pantry. Big Pop is also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa's website also features an online meat locker featuring meat from Snake River Farms shipped right to your front door. From the American Kobe beef, the Kuributa pork, the Double R Ranch meats, Big Papa's meat locker has something for every type of barbecue aficionado. And they're bringing you the best flavors on the market. Last year, it was Swamp Boy sauce, a fine swine sauce, Granny's barbecue sauce. Who knows what they're going to be bringing out this year? Stay tuned and go to BigPapaSmokers.com to check it out. Big Papa's also created the unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all of this within only five years of being in business, turning competition barbecue on its head, providing customers with the very best of barbecue products, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. And again, the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. We're back with Brad Leininger from Getting Basted right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. If you have a email or call, more than happy to have you here. Brad, thanks for hanging with me through the break. In regards to... 
getting the chicken into the box, uh, you know, after the cook is done, what are you looking for to decide, yeah, this one's good enough to make it in the box or, you know, this one did everything right all the way up until X and we're going to leave this one out of the box? Well, I mean, you could you could have some uh, situations like where the skin kind of, you know, pulls up and gives you a little toupee or it splits. So, you know, those will be out. Uh, I'm really looking for moisture. And, uh, uh, you know, we'll, I'll actually go through and poke each piece of chicken. And I'm, I'm just looking to see, uh, have a good, you know, basically have it be a juicer. And then, then those are going to the box. And then secondary to that would be how they look. So, you know, if my best looking one is it looks is dry, then, then I'm, I'm leaving it out. But, you know, it's... If my, if, you know, I'll sit there and poke them, and if my good-looking ones uh, uh, are all juicy, then they're going to the box, and that's, that's as simple as it is, really. Once they're off and, and you've made the determination on which thighs are, are going into the box, are there any, like some teams say once they have them picked out, they're in the box, they close the top, they're off and running. Other teams, which seem to be a fewer or a less and less percentage uh, every year I talk about it, uh, we'll pick one up and taste it and maybe make like an on the fly adjustment, add a little bit more sauce or thin it out or pop a little rub somewhere. Uh, do you not make any adjustments before they go run off to the judge's tent or will you make an adjustment if necessary? Oh, no, we taste everything. I mean, we taste everything throughout the whole process. So certainly, uh, you know, if they're flat, then you can come back. I mean, if everything's right, uh, you know, shut the lid and go, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll taste them and if they're flat, we'll hit the fishing rub or, or whatever we need to do, but certainly, and, and, and if we have two different sizes or two different pans, you know, we'll, we'll take, we'll taste one from each one of those to see if one of them's got a little better texture, but I can usually tell when I'm picking them up, you know, I can tell how tender they are. I can tell how juicy they are, uh, you know, other than being able to come back and maybe add a little more seasoning or whatever, you know, it, it's pretty well done. Is there anything else in your chicken process that I've left out or, or hadn't asked you about that you think is, is very important for somebody to, you know, at least consider implementing to, to give them a better chicken shot. No, I think they got it now. They, uh, I think they know everything I know at this point. So I'd be in some trouble. Next year. We've done it. We did it. Look at you. Appreciate that. Um, so you and Tim Shear put on a cooking class, if I'm correct. That is correct. That so is correct. We've got one. That went. I'm office. I'm office. In tr- office. I'm often intrigued with teams that have seen success, uh, and not just like you know one or two competitions, but have had the the breadth of experience underneath them, and and that probably can put on a, a decent class. Is the, do you have to reconcile, or do you and Tim sit down and have a, a a conversation and reconcile the fact that hey, we're about to lay out all of the processes and, and every single tip and trick or whatever, because all these classes are billed as tell-alls. Sure. And, and, and we got to be good with the fact that this is what we're going to do this coming weekend, tell everybody everything. And then the next weekend, we might see 30% of these people at the next contest, and we might have just tipped them off on something they didn't even think about, and they're going to be walking ahead of us to the stage, uh, or worse, uh, in overall. Is that, a, is that a conversation that takes place and that you got to be good with? Well, yeah, I mean, you have to be good with that. And, and honestly, I mean, it's, it's already happened. We, we both did one contest this year, and, and uh, uh, the guy that took our class a couple of weeks earlier uh, won the grand championship, you know, like Tim and I sit there and watched him. And, you know, that, that's part of it. I mean, I think, I think the only thing, you know, and, and we have a tell-all class, and, and, and we want our, our 
people that go through there to succeed. I mean, that's how we know we've done our jobs and, and, and it's a lot of money. So we take, you know, we take a, a big responsibility for, with that. But at the same time, if you, they don't go out there and they don't cook the 35 to 40 contests, they may jump up there and beat us. But, but in the long run, you know, it's that experience that, that gets you, you could take the class and the best thing you can do if you take a class is you got to go out there and cook it. And if you don't go out there and cook it and stick with it, then, then eventually, you know, uh, it's going to go away. So that's kind of how we're good with it, I guess, is that, yeah, we're giving them the tools, we're giving them the knowledge, they got to actually go out there and do it. And, and if they can do it, then, then, then they earned it. Brad, in regards to garnishing of the box, uh, you know, are you happy that kale has uh, become an allowable turn-in piece or a garnish piece, aside from, you know, a lot of people do parsley, a lot of people do the lettuce stuff. Uh, are you indifferent on if kale was allowed or not? Um, like, where do you fall out on that? I, I, I'm pretty indifferent. Uh, I could probably uh, bring my wife in from the other room and she might tell you something different. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, we, we make our boxes. She does. She makes our boxes before the contest. And we flip them out at the contest. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll probably play around with kale just, just to see what it looks. I mean, I don't think I'll be in a hurry to get into it. You know, at some point, we'll, we'll probably uh, look at some kale boxes. But, you know, as of right now, I'm going to keep on having her make parsley boxes. So um, it's just, I, I, I just don't want the judges thinking too hard about, you know, that stuff at the beginning. When kale gets more prevalent, then I'll probably jump in there and join them. Would you rather the board of directors vote to to take out garnish altogether and then make it a, a meat box? Or do you, uh, on a uh, conceptual level, like the fact that garnish is in there and a lot of teams talk about it's a frame and it, it, it does allow you a certain amount of error to, to kind of hide stuff. How do you feel about parsley being or parsley uh, garnish being, you know, still optional, but most of the teams that are winning are, you know, using it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I want garnish in there because exactly what you said, uh, it hides a lot of errors and, and we've done contests where there was no garnish allowed, you know, King of Smokers does that. And I, and let me tell you, it is hard to put a box together without garnish. I mean, it's just hard to make it look good. So I, I like it there, and I hope it stays there. I wouldn't be a, a fan for doing away with it. But, you know, if they do, we'll make do, and we'll just, just do it, you know, get a box turned in. It just makes it a lot easier to put it together. Would you like them to vote it in as mandatory? Well, I mean, I don't know that they need to do that. I, I, I think it is mandatory in essence. I mean, I know there's guys. Oh, it's not. Time. It's optional. Well, yeah, it's optional, but I, I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are, but that that aren't doing something or, or thinking about something to pre- present their need. There's nobody that's just putting, you know, six chicken thighs in the bottom of the box. They're not doing that. Maybe, you know, they're doing something to frame and present their meat. You know, be it be it a green garnish or a meat garnish or whatever it is. Uh, Brad Leininger joining me here on the show. Uh, Brad, we talked uh, a little bit earlier in the show about how you were uh, chasing Smokey D's for brisket team of the year, and uh, you end up second in a coin flip. And uh, your words, chicken was the consolation prize. Oh, geez. Uh, so, you know, you finished one in chicken, two in brisket. And Darren Worth is, by and large, a very formidable brisket cooking opponent. So, uh, you know, certainly uh, no shame having to go to the coin flip. But how... How disappointing is it to lose by a coin flip? And and I guess on the other side of the coin, uh, pardon the pun, would would it be would it be as potentially disappointing to to 
is the coin flip how you want it? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you want to go second place to a coin flip or do you want to win on a coin flip? Don't you, wouldn't it be better to have a heads up brisket contest between you and Darren to see who should be the brisket team of the year? Yeah. And, and, and to, to clarify, we didn't coin flip. I didn't tie him. What I did was I was at a contest and I ended up getting second place in that contest because of a coin flip. If I would have won first, I would have had enough points to pass Derek. So yeah, I, I mean, I, well, I don't know if I would or not. I've cooked against Darren enough that uh, it may not turn out so good for me, but you know, the main thing is, you know, I, I, I think that if a team is tied and if it's a true tie and that six judge comes in, that, that everybody should get the points for that spot. I mean, I think that only makes sense. I think deciding the points based on a coin flip is kind of a silly thing. And, and if, if I'm correct, a couple of years ago, they did away with uh, that for a perfect perfect. So uh, I think it was at Laughlin or somewhere where they had three or four perfect perfects, and then all of them got the first place points. I'm not sure how a perfect perfect tie is any different than any other tie going on down. But, but yeah, I think they should do away with that. Um, and, and also, the chicken wasn't a consolation. I was, I was chasing that because, I mean, you know, it's hard to win a category when you have to win a category, sure. you know, the, the rest of it's kind of playing defense. You're showing up. So, so fire dancer was in the same boat. You know, I was trying to chase me and chicken. I was scared to death. I was getting up second, both of them, you know, I'm sitting down there at a contest and we didn't, you know, we ended up losing that chick, you know, the, the brisket coin flip. And then, you know, if he would have won that chicken, he got fourth, you know, of course I went out first, but he, he would have won that. And I'd have been sitting there second and both of them and driving all over the country for nothing, you know? I mean, so, it, it, it's it's nerve wracking and it was a tough way to lose it. And, but you know, if you're going to lose to somebody, Darren's a great guy to lose to. That's for sure. Yeah, note about it, uh, Brad. Let me ask you: Do you have any advice for the people that might be listening tonight that are either you know very new to the competition scene, or or maybe they're thinking about you know either getting out of the backyard division or literally getting out of their backyards and, and starting up competition because they've seen it on television or maybe they've listened to the show a couple different times or whatever the uh, driving force is. Uh, do you have, you know, two or three bits of advice to kind of help them along the way to shorten up that curve? Well, I mean, take a class and well, you know, specifically buy, buy three gateway drum smokers and come to our class. Uh, that, that'll, that'll uh, hack the curve. Uh, you know, just, just take it right out. You know, you'll be running and ready to go. But yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is with all the information that's out there and, and, you know, I say that tongue in cheek, just take a class of the cooker that you, you want to cook on. You know, if you're cooking on a, on a Jambo, go take a Jambo guys class. If you're going to want to cook on cans, go take a car class, but taking a class. I mean, there's no reason not to at this point. I mean, it's just, you're throwing away money. I mean, it, just by not taking a class, it'll pay for itself almost immediately. Do you think that because of some of the specialty stuff and, and a lot of people feeling like they, need to get X or Y in order to compete that there's been a little bit of a, uh, aversion to, to jumping into the to professional side because they feel that there's, you know, a large amount of money until recently with the, the, the drum smokers. But do you feel that there's like a, 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 perce- a perception that they have to have a lot of money to get in in order to, to be successful. Maybe people are putting themselves in a, a potentially bad financial situation, buying all of this crap and getting out into the circuit with motor homes and the $15,000 pits and so on and so forth. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think from the outside looking in, it's intimidating. I mean, I think, you know, you certainly uh, uh, feel the need to have to overspend. Um, and I, you know, we're going out to the guinea pig, uh, out in California this weekend, and I love it. I mean, that's that's a fantastic concept. Uh, 
And, and I want to thank the KCBS board of directors for actually doing the right thing and making that worth some points uh, because it, it should be. But I mean, I, you know, I spend so much of my week trying to find me. It's ridiculous. The fact that I can just fly in out there, you know, we got some drum smokers out there, cook under a canopy and do it, do it the old school way. I, I definitely think it's something that needs to happen. It needs to spread across the country because it does lower that barrier, barrier to entry. And that's what we need to do. We need to get more people doing this and, and we need to make it easier for them to do it. Brad, do you think that the guinea pig idea does have, I mean, as you said, there's a lot of great things about it uh, that, that make sense to you, a seasoned competitor, that probably make a lot of sense to somebody that's just getting into it. But do you see it getting legs and, and being able to spread to certain parts of the country, perhaps even becoming like its own little, you know, Sam's Club series, the, the guinea pig series almost? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that'll happen. I think there's a lot of, like I said, I mean, just the amount of time we spend and, and, and effort we spend on trying to track down meat and trying to trying to do this stuff to get it get a leg up on the competition. It's just fun to just go out there and cook. So yeah, I think there's something to it for sure. And uh, you know, I, I would do every one of them that was anywhere near me. So if I would, you know, there's at least you know 49 other idiots that do the same thing. So yeah, I think it'd have legs. Uh, Brad, where are you guys going to be competing at next? No, we're doing the guinea pig, and then uh, we'll yep. go down to Nashville. There's one in Nashville. We're going to Hammond, Louisiana, uh, and then we'll be back, uh, you know, starting in Missouri in April. Where, you know, the local contest will kick in. So. Uh, do you uh, do you compete in the Sam's Club every year? I did, yeah. Um, we got reserve grand champion there two years ago, which was a nice payday, obviously. And then last year, uh, it, and the funny thing is, you know, we, you know, I like to have fun when I cook. I like, you know, I like to get loose. I took it so seriously. Went to Overland Park and got like 15th. I mean, just did terrible. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Sands this year. I'm in St. Charles. Uh, I believe that's the beginning of May. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Brad Leiniger is the pitmaster of getting basted. He is your 2015 team of the year in the chicken category, second in brisket, seventh overall KCBS. Uh, team of the year uh, as well. Brad, really appreciate the time tonight, man. Thanks for uh, really getting in depth with the chicken. Continued success, my friend. We'll talk soon. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. You got it. There he is. Brad Leiniger from Getting Basted. So uh, he really laid it down in regards to the chicken stuff. So if you were hoping to get a lot of chicken information, guess what? You got it. Point of fact, things that he did not mention, your humble host receiving or licking Salmon Row off of one Stephen Reich. Didn't mention that. So to some of you, it's a really big deal. To some other people, it's not that big of a deal. It's like it happens every day. I got to tell you, I did take video of me eating it. And, um, look, uh, I, I don't know if it goes without saying, but I'm not a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, cultured, overly cultured, you know, I didn't really eat a lot of caviar in my day and they did have a sturgeon eggs, sturgeon eggs. It was, uh, and, and I forget what the size of it was, but like the container is literally for the folks that are listening on the audio, you can't see this, but like the container is this big around, right? And it's maybe this deep. It's probably measured like in ounces. That's bad. 
I want to say it was like $75. So there's no way that I could possibly justify spending that kind of money. Well, there's only one way I could justify it. Even if it tasted like baby vomit on a hot summer's day, I would have to eat the whole thing in order to justify it. I could not spend, you know, 75 or $80 on that small amount and not eat at all. You can't, but in lieu of the 75 or $80, $15 for the salmon caviar, a little bit more fiscally achievable in complete honesty, aesthetically fairly pleasing to the eye to look at uh, exactly like he said, uh, uh, what was the word uh, that he was using? Like little globes, uh, like little pink globes. Uh, look, I'm not a fishing guy by any stretch of the imagination. I know uh, our good friend in the chat room, Patrick Paquette, is a huge fishing guy. I think he's like board of directors for fishing game of the East Coast. Do they grow salmon uh, pregnant and then like take the eggs out? Like how was caviar uh, cultivated? Oh, lucky me. I found the pregnant salmon. And then luckily you, you get, I mean, I don't understand. How was that whole thing? I don't know. Thank you, Dirk. Good night now. Anywho, uh, I challenge each and every one of you to go find Whole Foods or wherever you get your caviar. Get salmon caviar and do a taste test and tell me. I'll post my video and again, the lighting is horrible on my video, by the way, so I apologize for that uh, right up front. But make a video of tasting it if you've never tasted it. What? what is Gary Vaynerchuk doing? Am I over time? Holy crap, I'm over time. I'm sorry. All right, we got to close up. So do it, right? Do a video of it. Let me know if you've never done it. Let's all get on the same Caviar boat. And uh, I'm going to post my video tomorrow at some point. I got to edit it up a little bit, make it look professional. All right, uh, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Stephen Reichland, Project Smoke 2, a little caviar talk, and chili talk. And smoking with hay or straw, which I don't know the difference. I mean, it's brown. It used to be like grass that's dried out or something. Then we talked with Chad Ward, Whiskey Ben Barbecue, winning a Popka, Florida. Again, congratulations to Chad. And in the second hour, we talked with Brad Leininger extensively on chicken. So anybody that was, you know, shigging in on guest only in the chat room, you got some great information tonight from the 2015 Team of the Year in Chicken. Thank you, Central Lights, for turning in watching the video, all that great stuff. Um, we have a great show lined up already for next week. Jim Berg will be in the first hour. Jim Berg from Killer Bees. Spread the word. It's going to be a great first hour. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. <laughs>